So when's that Danganronpa Fortnite crossover happening? Well, okay. Well, who do we put in it is the thing. Well, I here's the thing. Obviously, Junko and Oshima. Sure. Yes, like, obviously. Well, hmm. Monokuma backpack. You kill someone. I don't think they add... I, think they, I don't think they would, would add an emo, but I do need to see Junko and Oshima just murk a guy and then hit the gritty on his corpse. That is true. But, I mean, hold on. Do you? Do, is that like a wave two thing where it's like Junko and Mukuro? Or is that, like, because you have the protagonists, right? Like, there's, like, you know, a couple of protagonists that you gotta... Oh, wait oh yeah, okay, so... Oh, wait, so, yes, for, so the first would be... So uh, the first wave would be uh, Makoto, Hajime, of course, and yeah, Makoto. Uh-huh. And then, um, like, Makoto's sister, because she has a gun. Yeah, and then, uh, then Komaru. Yeah, oh, yeah, Komaru would actually... I, the I special would, weapon... The special weapon is... Would the, be the, uh, would be the little megaphone that she uses. Right. And then, like, unless you, be, sh- unless has- you shoot truth bullets, and they'll like blast people away, but like not hurt them, not damage them. But, so kind of like, like a kind of like a way, kind of like a boogie bomb, but like built in. Yeah, kind of like or kind of. Well, I've never, I've, well, I have played Fortnite actually. Yeah, I've never yeah. Uh, landed a boogie bomb. Uh-huh. Uh, I've, I've played a lot of Fortnite actually. Yeah, I got, I got, I got roped into it. I was not yeah, expecting bunch, to enjoy it, but it is of, a really bunch smooth game. It's a bunch of Zoomers, um, like, brought you in to it this is, battle it is royale. Zoomer, <laughs> it is the Zoomer hell zone. It is, I have been, I have been, like, unfairly advantaged by being a, a an adult, decrepit old broad. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, it, um, speaking of... It would work like uh, those those repulsor bombs or whatever they're called. I, I don't know what they call things anymore. I don't care. I don't, I don't know. It's like names they, of they call them like soda. They call them like any any yeah, number of things. Who cares? Who cares? All I know Fortnite is... Fortnite und cola drinking. That's what I care about. And I care How about cool this. How cool is that? I care about this goddamn podcast. This is why I'm trying to desperately struggle to introduce. Welcome ultimate... to Ultimate no! Fair Prize. You do we... this every <laughs> time. We go through the Dangarapa series one victory royale I'm... at a time. <laughs> And hit the gritty on every on a body once a week. One gritty yeah. a week. Yep, our awesome <laughs> every consistent week. release schedule <laughs> of Ultimate Despair Reprise, a Danganronpa recap podcast going through the entire Danganronpa series, one murder at a time. I am your ultimate host, Kyrie. I have the ultimate fangirl, Jennifer. And I'm the ultimate default dancer. (laughs) (laughs) Makoto, here's here's the thing. Makoto would load into Fortnite and he would have the default skin the entire time, but still managed to like win. Komaeda would open up like 
one loot box get like Goku instantly. Do they? No, it, it doesn't have loot boxes. It just has the battle pass. Yeah, you have to pay twenty bucks for Goku or something. Okay, fine. So Makoto, you have to pay twenty bucks for Goku. It's it works just like real life. <laughs> just like real life, you gotta pay twenty bucks for Goku. You gotta shell out Koma, for the big Koma, man. No, what Kobayana does is like when the prop comes up for like putting in a credit card, he just randomly bashes the keys like on his keyboard, and Goku and comes out. <laughs> Goku comes out. Yep. I mean, the, I'm glad Goku finally came out. Fortnite. You know. Yeah, you know, we support him. <laughs> yeah. Coin and dispenser's random numbers and commits credit card fraud every time. But and never they never get, catch him. They never catch him because he doesn't even remember the numbers he used. The thing is, I don't think I. I think like Komar. I, I think the thing is, Komaeda. Uh huh. Um, would be into Fortnite. Yes. And he would buy the battle pass, but he would never not get a victory. He would never lose a game of Fortnite because he would just, he would just, oh, he find gold weapons play every and time. everybody would have the worst game. If you enter a lobby with Komayeta, you are guaranteed to have the worst Fortnite game of your entire life. Which is like shocking. Every, yeah. Yeah. Just like <laughs> you, you load in. You just get complete dog shit. Your ping is terrible. You miss every shot you take. Komeda just runs you over in a jeep. Like, I I just I just remember like I don't know like a year ago or so in which like I my friends like had me install Fortnite. I played for a couple of days. I started shooting at someone and they started building. <laughs> A house and i was like i think i'm good after this small child sniped me they, from the top they got now. rid of that and honestly building was it's it's really funny that building the you know the big thing that made fortnite like different from the other games right well now um, it's the like, game it's just, yeah. yeah like it's the game and then they got rid of it and it was actually just a better battle royale than all the other games without building like PUBG. Like that was that was like our, that was our first foray into battle royale. Remember when and that we got was that like, stupid coat and we oh like, of course. How yeah. can I forget Binchcoin? Binchcoin? How can I forget the rise and fall of Binchcoin? Yeah, we got the fucking the the leather jackets when they were like five hundred dollars a pop. Right. We got we, them. We both got them within a week of each other. Yeah, we sold days. them off. And we bought yeah. and we bought, bought like five fighting games in their season passes. I bought Tekken. Yeah, Jed, you we both them. bought Tekken Seven and got real into it, and that didn't make us any money. <laughs> so no, I'll, I'll give you this: Fortnite plays well, but it's no Apex Legends. I I disagree. Fortnite is sorry, I, Jed. Fortnite think, better than both of them. I <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> fuck. I I think that so like I I like battle rails. I am I'm very picky with with uh-huh. like the level of sweat that goes into the competitive games I play. Sure. Like the thing that turns me off of Apex Legends is everybody is playing Apex Legends like there is a cash prize at the end. People get real sweaty. And I have not had that experience in Fortnite. People like like the sweatiest it gets is like just a little bit damp, but like <laughs> it's a little damp, just a, just just a, a wee touch, bit moist, just a touch, a wee bit moist, just a squidge. Yeah, um, just and like, like Fortnite just has Fortnite is like way more fuck around. Like there is like the, what they're doing now is like like they steal mechanics from other games, like uh-huh. kind of shamelessly. Like 
now you can turn into a Splatoon squid. Not a literal Splatoon squid, well, just like a like, weird chrome well, slime. Well, like but I, like that's like a thing that's going on in the game now. <laughs> I saw I saw you play this and it was like, oh, you could become a, like a slime and double jump and air dash. It's like no wonder every child on the planet plays this game. You yeah, know, this you become, game is you like be- crack cocaine for children, very specifically, because it's like, oh, you know that cool mechanic from the game that you played and, like, you kind of dropped off of because, like, you know, ultima- other reasons, you know? Maybe it, do- maybe it doesn't have crossplay and your friends don't have it, or, like, you had a couple bad matches, or maybe your brother took the console or whatever. What if you could do that in our game as Goku? Yeah, you <laughs> what if become, you could play as you Rick become- Sanchez and you could shoot a Kamehameha? Yep. And, like, fuck it. We are, all- we are every single IP. Yep. You can become Goop and Air Dash. Goku's there. Yeah. They, they, and like, you can slide and move around like Apex Legends. It's just like, Fortnite is a way tighter game, and it's it, fucking bizarre. And, the and it has like, has everything. Culture. Oh my god, it is, it is just like, it is, it is culturally homogenous slop, uh-huh. but it is like, it is the most bizarre culturally homogenous Disney slop because it's also like it's like taking genuinely ev- good. Do you know what it is? It's taking every like a scoop of all the cereal in every box in the cereal aisle and putting it in a big mix, and you just swim yes. in it. <laughs> that is such a good comparison. It is taking every cereal See, box, she likes dumping my it comparisons, Jen, and dumping it in one bowl because like. If you take a bite of every cereal in one go, it's just going to taste like sugar and milk and wheat. Uh-huh. But, like, sugar and milk and wheat, that's not a horrible taste. It's not something you want to be eating all the time, you know, of course. But it's something that, like, you know, it's inoffensive. And mm-hmm. it's, like... I'll tell you. It's it's a, it's a, it's a really good hangout game. It is it is the nutrient slop video game. Like it is, I I am playing Fortnite and I don't care if I win or lose. I have never like when I play Apex Legends and I get like a really cool and I get a and I get a weapon I really like and I get it kitted out and then I get blasted. I get super pissed. I tilt immediately. Uh, that happened all the time when I played PUBG. I would get like a weapen that I really uh-huh. liked. I'd get my I'd get my rifle all all decked out with a nice scope and you know expanded mags and a silencer. And I was like, oh yeah, I can't wait to be a threat on the battlefield. And then some. Then I open a door and a guy's waiting on the other end with a shock and he brains me immediately. And it's like, oh, I am never playing this again. And Fortnite kind of circumvents this because every because there are like five weapons in the game uh-huh. and like rarity changes damage by like three to five points so it's the only thing the only reason like you care when you get like a purple sniper rifle over a blue sniper rifle is like oh cool you know i can optimize my damage with this gun i like it's brilliant by having this it's like this this like weird mechanical nihilism like ultimately (laughs) ends up making things a lot of fun speaking of nihilism not speaking of dialogue, nothing, matters. nothing matters. We're talking nothing about matters and it's dope as hell. We're talking about Danganronpa three, the anime. <laughs> After ten, we minutes are of recording. We're ten talking... minutes of Fortnite, twenty minutes of Danganronpa, <laughs> another forty-five minutes of Fortnite. Well, let's no, go. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a like a like a, let's put a lid on the Fortnite talk for a minute as we talk before about... we put the lid on the Fortnite. <laughs> oh my god! Put the lid on the Fortnite talk. I'm Can I get a jam- default dance in chat? <laughs> do 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 do. 
<laughs> I'm gonna edit it in as well, but I'm gonna keep your do do So we're gonna be good. Um, because we talk about episode five of Future and Despair Side of Danganronpa 3, the anime. As we say on the other previous episodes, if you're watching it on Crunchyroll, they've already had the playlist set up for you. Uh, God help you if you have Blu-rays. But episode five of each. Uh, so. So in, um... <clears throat> so, in, so go ahead. The ultimate blacksmith pulls an unlimited blade works. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> that was yeah. We, he's a Miyashiro, but a sex pervert. Yeah, well, Jen, Jen, we were watching it earlier today. We were watching the episodes, and Jed was just like shaking her head about like how stupid it was or something. And I was like, "No, this is great." He's saying for love and delicious candy. He's doing unlimited blade works on this hulked out yeah. pharmacist. I so like. I'm beginning to think that the, well, I I mean, like, we probably did, it probably does establish in the episode that the delicious sweets thing is, like, not really a sex fucker pet play thing and more of just, like, a, he is being mind controlled by these magic candies. Some, uh, I think, it, I think that, that, that yeah, like, I yeah, that possibly. It's, it's not, it's, it's not explicit, but, like, it really, I really, and I really hope they don't lean into that. But, like, it does kind of scan as, like, an involuntary trepanation thing. Like, right. like, this man has been given the 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 uh, the fucking melted ice cream lobotomy. Uh-huh. <laughs> Jed, you seem to have wanted to say something. Um, I, I do enjoy uh, Seiko just going incredible hulk the entire time just constantly oh, she rocks. there's that there's that bit where she's like i need more and this first she starts with just handfuls of pills and you're like okay and then she after swallowing that she then takes two bottles and just pours them in like oh uh, wait what? she does hey, like a spongebob bit with them <laughs> yeah with like all the estrogen pills you could ever imagine <laughs> God, if that's what estrogen does, <laughs> yeah, it's no a- wonder we're dominating sports. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Turfs, I guess you had a point. <laughs> yeah. I'll only be slightly, I mean, I'll be less apologetic. I'm still going to hit you with my car, but like... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, it's like, how do I know that, you know, this girl goes into the swimming competition, takes some estrogen, and then just hulks out and <laughs> drinks the pool? Like, I don't know. <laughs> just drinks the pool. <laughs> we gotta ban trans women from sports, because they keep, they keep like, dr- eating the rackets and then throwing the ball so hard it obliterates the other person. Yeah. <laughs> When they play tennis, and then they go and they do they do the triathlon, and like they just tear up the whole road, and like roll it under their under their arm, and they walk, and like the finish line is right there, so they just it just goes right through them. Yep, you know, <laughs> they, they go over every it. time, every like every they just pick up the bike and they just run along, and there's so much fastness, their legs turn into little uh, little like a little wheel, like a Sonic the Hedgehog, yeah, style, Sonic like, the Hedgehog, or like or like fucking Scooby Doo, you know. <laughs> And yeah, he, and then anyway, now then I'm they co- the Prime Minister of the UK. <laughs> <laughs> and then they code, like, rocket ships. <laughs> yeah. That, but that's just for It's fun. just a known <laughs> fact that estrogen makes you better at everything. Yeah. <laughs> or, 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 um, oh my god, I forgot the fucking, I for, 
I forgot testosterone. I forgot the word for testosterone. If you're a trans man and you're taking testosterone, you are also made better at everything. It turns out getting hormones from an outside source is what turns you into a real powerhouse. Exactly. Or actually the powerhouse was inside you all along, because if you're not taking hormones, you're still you're still better yeah, than Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. We see what it is, it's just like See the thing is that like just being trans just makes you better than cis people. Exactly. Like, if, if if you are a cisgender person, I'm sorry, you are the dirt beneath my feet. <laughs> <laughs> unless you give you, me five dollars in which case if you subscribe to the scanline you <laughs> if you subscribe to the scanline media patreon or uh-huh. if you send me five dollars through my kofi or if you support mail us monetarily just... in some way anything you could mail me five dollars I'll, I'll i'll get a p.o box i don't care if yeah. you send me an, an indulgence i will pardon all of your sins against uh the, any religion really uh, yeah just, i'm i'm an ordained minister in all of them people yep. ask me like oh bless me and i'm like sure. what well, i i just know i'm <laughs> what blessed flavor I get to do, do this <laughs> i am blessed because i get to do this podcast with you oh oh so anyway the scene in like future side that i that was really striking like so in the previous episodes you know the relationship between you know Rurika and um Seiko, oh, Seiko, right? Like, has been one of those things that, like, we get this flashback in which, like, their friendship was genuine at a certain point. They were just, you know, like, oh, hey, you know, you're cool. I want to hang out with you, right? And then you just see this erosion over the years that it becomes, like, a purely, like, transactional thing. And I love that sequence where Seiko, you know, is just, like, bashing through the glass, like, in a unstoppable rage as they both just ponder, like, where the hell did it all go wrong? Like, I, I like that a lot. It's real good. Oh yeah, it's it's real good. I I I do like the you know friendship the their friendship kind of curdling. I I posted it when we were when we went, like when I was like doing my notes uh, in the Discord channel um, that like I like that they had like their their unfilled emotional needs like uh-huh. boiling over into like 
Like, I like that the confectioner, like, it kind of boils over into this, like, pathetic, violent demand for acknowledgement. Yeah. And it's like, you know, she, I really hope it does. There's no mind control in the in the uh, in the candies because I don't want it to be like, got to give her the cookie that makes her my fuck slave versus like, you know, please, God, just like acknowledge me, me, acknowledge me for being useful for like the one thing I'm good at. Right. Like, for fuck's sake, I use you all the time. Please just use me. Right. Um, which I think is a really I like how desperate these characters are for validation from each other. And they each receive validation in different ways. So, like, they are validating each other in their own language, but there is that, but because there there's are, that there's a fundamental miscommunication, yeah. yeah, because there's that fundamental disconnect, neither of them is actually receiving validation from the other. So, they aren't, fr- so, like, they, they aren't really friends, they're just mutually parasocial. Right. Jen, you seem to have wanted to say something. I just kept thinking, like, the, the, the main schism between the two of them is, like, Rubrica is just constantly leaning on Seiko for help with everything, and Seiko won't eat Ruruka's candy, but, like, the thing is, <laughs> Seiko tells Ruruka multiple times, I can't have sugar, it'll fucking kill me, and each time she turns it into, like, oh, I guess this friend doesn't trust me, and it's like, no, like... Allergies are fucking allergies, <laughs> but like a certain yeah, point, but I kind of get that because I kinda, like I was about to like, agree. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, like <laughs> I mean, like what it is, Jen, is that like Rurika, like even though she might know the actual factual part of it, of you know, Psycho cannot eat my candy. It's that still that need for like validation from each other because like I think it's like Seiko is like monologuing internally how much she loves like Rurika and how she's been trying to express that and they've both been trying to express that but there's that fundamental schism and disconnect that doesn't allow them like Rurika needs to be validated by somebody eating her stuff that's why she loves hanging out with Sonosuke because he's just gonna eat that candy all the goddamn time and get that like constant drip feed of validation that she clearly wants from Seiko and isn't getting mm. I I also think that like it's entirely not like reasonable but understandable in the context of like people don't fucking take allergies seriously are you kidding me Mm -hmm. i have i've had people like because like a lot of times like people because like people without allergies do this and they'll be like oh yeah you know i'm allergic to peanuts and it's like it's not that they don't it's not that they're allergic to peanuts they just don't like peanuts right um and like or don't understand the severity or i mean i I mean, in the sense of like, you know, people will lie about allergies to get out of eating things that they don't want to eat. And like people who make things and have had that experience, somebody saying like, oh, no, I can't eat this. And then like, you know, they they can eat this. They just didn't want to um, go like, okay, you know, every anybody who says they can't eat my shit is bullshit. Like they're they may be bullshitting me. Odds are they could be. They may not be, but they could be. You know, and that kind of paranoia about like, what, like, am I not good enough is like it it, that definitely it definitely scans more that um, the the confectioner, the patissier was like felt like she was being bullshitted in a sense, at least like at least or at least took took it as a sense of like in the context of like, okay, you know, if there's nothing that I can do for you, what's the fucking point? Right. 
Ver- like, if I can't use my talents for you, then what's the fucking point? Like, fuck off. Um, Which is, like, again... In, in conjunction... Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say, like, that is, like, an incredibly immature way to look at how relationships function, but again, these are still mostly high school students, like, or just barely graduated yeah. high school. They're still... They fucked up kids becoming fucked up adults. Basically. Jen, yes? They're in their 20s. I mean... I mean... It's not that Listen, far I know off. people in their 20s that are fucking stupid. I guess that's fair. Like, I a, mean, like a lot of 20-year-olds are... Like, I think, like... I mean, I know a lot of 20-year-olds who are basically just, like, high school kids, but bigger. Yeah. Or more... Or, you know, more generously, you have this sensation that even people who just got out of college or whatever, sometimes, like... Yeah, these are like these ultimates, right? They're leading the cushiest of cushiest lives mm-hmm. where everything is provided for them in some way. Yeah, like way. their talents are always validated. Exactly. And it's sort of They're like, always validated. They get what they need. Da, da, da. You know, like society wants them, you know, they're good at something that society values. So, so society wants them to keep doing that thing. So it pays them back. And so like... And then at that point, it's just sort of like, well... I'm not getting exactly everything I want. Something must be wrong with me. Yeah, like once it's a gifted kid problem. Like once the once like you once like the areas that you excel in, once the performance that you have been get it like outputting becomes the norm or once you hit that wall where like it's not, you know, it's not exciting anymore. Mhm. Or this thing you've been told for decades that you're the best and perfect at, and this is what gives you value in society, and suddenly you have this moment of no one's paying attention to that? Yeah, of nobody's paying attention, this isn't important to them. Like, nobody cares how fast you can read a book, nobody cares about your ability to analyze the book, you're not like, you know, blah blah blah. Like, once you hit that point, it's like, oh... You know, you build that resentment and you become kind of a fuck up. Like, I mean, as we see a time and time again with these characters is that they are fucked up because they have gifted kid problems. And it's funny every time. <laughs> In a way. Yes. I, yeah, I guess. In a cosmic sense. I feel mm-hmm. like y'all make great points here. I I definitely see what you mean about uh, the two of them kind of why the two of them are acting like this together. Yeah, because like. I mean, the confectioner all her life, she's told, oh, your sweets are perfect and amazing and immaculate or whatever. And this one person, she likes Psycho a lot. She wants to hang out with this person, reach out to them. The only method that she can think of is using the candies or whatever. And Seiko is like, no, I can't do this. And Ruka can't like wrap her head around the idea of how like love and friendship can be expressed in other ways. And Why the that... fuck is she blocking my fireballs? <laughs> I'm throwing right. my fireballs and I'm not winning the round. What the fuck is happening? So goes, uh, I'm just doing Tatsumaki. It's it's just... <laughs> it's like, I don't... You know, what is projectile invulnerability? Every time I do... She does the spinny move. I keep doing the same move that wins me all the rounds back home. And I'm drowning in pools. What is happening? I'm gonna now associate my self-worth with this thing that I am told I am great at. Or I have convinced myself I am great at. Does that sound familiar? It sounds familiar to me because I've had this problem. <laughs> I think, I, you know, I think this is, like, a universal problem. I think on some level, everybody has had this, like, 
okay, I am, I'm good at this thing that they're like, as a kid are like, I'm good at this. And then, you know, they don't get the feedback that like being good at something usually elicits. And then they're like, oh, well, this is no longer worthwhile. This sucks. My ego's in shatter is, is in fucking tatters now. Yeah, like it's it's one of those things where you just you know you put all this time and energy into a thing and you're not getting the feedback that you want or desire. That's super frustrating, and that's like a pretty relatable thing to think about because you should be recognized. Like you know, people should be recognized for their talents, but also you have to have some fucking context like every other like of the seven eight billion people on the planet they're looking for the same thing so i don't know that might be like hard to come by (laughs) Mm -hmm. so speaking of uh ideological problems that are ultimately self-destructive i do like the conversation between the ultimate geezer and murakata that, you know, where he's like, you can't solve humanity's death drive as political ambition by going to war with it. And Minakata's like, no, you and cuts his head off. Basically, yeah, Tengen basically like I love this moment where, again, Tengen is dying, but I still love this. Like, I love the fact that Tengen, even though he is going to die relatively soon, that blood loss like that blood's going to go somewhere and it's not in his body. You know, he's still in a position of power, ideological power, for sure. I I mean, he's not necessarily, I don't think he's in a position of power. I think he's just that much bigger of a man that, like, Munakata's, like, like, obligated, like, not obligated to sit and listen, but, like, still dwarfed by his presence. It's kind of like, you know, like, this, this is a trope that I fucking love, is, like, the guy who has died, like, like when, uh, like, uh, fucking Breaking Bad spoilers. Anybody, anybody super care about? Uh, uh, I'll, Bad? yeah, Breaking Bad for a show. When did that show finish airing? Twenty eleven, I want to say. So it's been over a decade. Uh, you. It's had, been a long time. Breaking Bad stuff. But I'll, I'll put a, I'll, I'll put a little bumper of I don't know some joke from the show to act as your your. I am the danger. Or, you beat a little tactical retreat. Yeah. You regroup, and then. Walter, let's put your <laughs> cock away, Walter. Put your cock away. Okay, spoil breaking I'm back. not gonna fuck you, Walter. Put your cock away. You're <laughs> compromising you... the job. Oh, but well. like, oh, actually, you know, as I do that impression, uh, when Mike Ehrmantraut dies in Breaking mm-hmm. Bad, like, Walt shoots him, be- and Walt is just such a tiny man in that scene. He starts apologizing, like, right? Like he's he like, fuck, yeah, he's like, he's like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, and like he wants like exoneration for it. Like he wants Mike to be like, oh, you know it's, what? Okay. This it's okay, it's okay. Yeah, he wants to be Walter. It's okay. It happens. Yeah, it's sometimes like, you shoot people lethally by accident. Like who hasn't played around with guns? In the first season, he does that as well when he kills like the guy in the basement. Like he is saying, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry." In this thing that he is choosing, to I do. just did a murder, but I'm still a good person because I felt bad about it. And I remember that scene that you're talking about where Mike just says, "Shut the fuck up!" And Shut let the fuck me up die. and let me die. It's such a good scene because like like mike knew that this is a stupid fucking idea like walt was like a was a complete liability this guy sucks so bad he's gonna blow everything up he is he is like an unshielded radioactive like rod of uranium we need to get the the living room (laughs) kept just fucking hanging out in the living room 
Like that one guy on 4chan who is most certainly not alive now. Yep. Fucking Stalker got- Anon. This one goes out. This episode is dedicated to you, Stalker Anon. Shout outs to you who got like a thousand years worth of radiation in one week. Uh, yeah, that was awful. Well, th- that was like, why did your why did your roommate do that to you? Right. Um, uh, but yeah, he says, "Shut the fuck up, let me die," and it's just sort of like, "Nah, man, I just like like Mike, like you know, fucking Tengen just understands the reality of the world that he lives yeah. in." Mike liked it. Yeah, like in this situation, they are just such bigger men that the guy killing them is a child in comparison. I I mean Munakata is uh, Munakata's in his mid twenties, so I guess he, he is not a but child. He, but but, he, but I, what Tengen is like three times his age. Yeah, he's got a child's ideology. I mean the thing with Munakata is he wants to solve all his problems with violence without knowing what his problems are or how violence could solve them. And mm-hmm. so he just has a sword that he swings around when he's trying to prove a point. And he doesn't prove his point, but he sure does hurt a lot of people who want him to be, like, who want to help him. Because Tengen does want to help him. Like, he is the like, elf. Yeah. Tengen seems like a guy with his own baggage, but, like, Tengen does also seem like a kind of guy who, like, actually does have an ideological core for, like, why he is in this organization and doing what he does. Like, there is an argument here aside from just, like, I got trauma from being in a killing game, and I don't want to see anybody get murdered by the despair people. Um, but, like, Munakata's just kind of, like, out here, like, bad things are happening. We need, If we kill all the bad people, bad things will stop happening. And again... This is both possible, this is both desirable, easy and- to do, and possible to achieve. Yep. <laughs> Jen, you've been... A little quiet. What what do you think of that scene? Um, it's it's pretty intense. <laughs> Are you talking about the the point in which like like I love that moment where after like Tengen reveals some truth that shatters Munakata that the audience is not privy to. Like he just draws his blade and Tengen just rips the rub- like rebar out of his chest and stabs Munakata in the eye. Yeah. And you get this yeah. very silly-looking uh, blood geyser. That's pretty fun. It rocks. It was. Super it was hard. goofy. I love that he rec- that he like resembles Monokuma now with the with the fucking bloodied out eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. During the like during the like post credit sequence, like when yeah, he, yeah. The Danganronpa loves like making whenever somebody is like fucked up or like you know harmed. I like at least this this show has been like whenever somebody is like. Well, I mean, getting da- getting Danganronpa'd, um, getting their Danganronpa'd, they they resemble Monokuma. Well, it's, that's the whole thing with the bracelet. Like when the bangle goes yeah. off, they bleed out of one eye. Like get, that. Yeah, they bleed out of one eye. They get the whole and poison it, thing going. And more rocks. Point, and more importantly, like think about Monokuma's design. Like you have the pure white side on the right side of his body. The left side is the evil fucked up eye. So that's oh, it's so heavy-handed. It rules. It's so good. I love this. Oh shit. my god! I am not like. Listen, I am not above genre fiction. I I, never I love subtlety, <laughs> but I also love when an author is like, "Fuck subtlety." I don't. Subtlety is for losers. I don't like. Unironically, I know people use subtext, and they're all cowards. Like, <laughs> I like. I love subtext, but like, it's so good when an author is just like. I am going to hammer my point in so hard that you would need to literally not be watching my show not to get it. Much like Breaking Bad, friends. (laughs) 
I oh my god, Breaking Bad fans! It is insane to me because like we're seeing this with Cyberpunk Edge Runners as well. Because like we see this whenever there's a show about a dude who commits crime and then like has bad things happen to him as a consequence. I don't want to spoil Edge Runners. It just um, came but, out, like, but yeah, because it just came out. But like it is a story. It is a cyberpunk story with very familiar beats. You know exactly where it's going. Uh-huh. Um, it is insane that people watched a show about a dude dealing meth for like five years and for like actually no it aired for six, five over the course six, of five years i thought it was for like six long, years i think six seasons i think it was like seven eight years it doesn't matter yeah seven eight years doesn't uh, yeah matter. it was like oh then it ended in like 2016 then because it started in 2008 something like um, that but like i but, i just remembered that but like yeah it's, it's insane that people watch a show about a dude doing a fucked up thing for like a long stretch of time and watching it is like all the parts of his life that everything good in his life just degenerates into just shit. Everything sucks. And he ruins everything in his vicinity. And they're like, oh man, I want to, I be should that deal guy. math. <laughs> they even, go I want to be way. the danger. I want to be the one that knocks. Jed, yes. <laughs> they even go out of their way in like the first few episodes to be like, Hey, he totally has a, get out of jail free card with this whole cancer thing like he can totally rely on his rich friend who is completely willing to just pay for it and instead he is like no i'm gonna i'm gonna do crimes that is like like, the last like that's like the last chance of like a hand reaching out the wall and he bats it away like a petulant child that is not the last chance. Well, Walt has plenty of opportunities. Walt gets like one opportunity a season to let the, to le- to let it go. That's to, like to, to cut his losses and leave the table. But he doubles down every fucking time. He literally. I mean, Breaking Bad spoilers. I'm sorry. You should have just fucking watched it already. You should listen the first time. He literally <laughs> changes his identity and flees the state, and then he comes back. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> to do one last crime and get killed in the process like walt you stupid fucking idiot well I, what i think of it is like that is like like the last chance before he really did some like he did something fucked up he made meth whatever but like that moment of his friend being like dude i'll just pay for the entirety of your treatment that was like maybe the first and kind of like last time there was that glimmer of humanity, but that's just me. I think it's just super important. I think it's a super important moment more accurately. I mean, I think the thing is also like a running theme of breaking bad. And I've, I argue with people about this all the fucking time. A running theme of breaking bad is the quiet sociopathy of just like American suburbia. So Uh like Walt was always the sort of person. Cause like you can't, cause I, or rather you can view it as like, he may, he has the free will to like not make these decisions, but like the Walt came from somewhere like Walter White did not spontaneously like come into being at, at, well in in his own like in his own fiction like if you assume a a presuppose a world where walter white was once a baby then a child then a young adult then a grown man then da 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 you know time skip arc spring out of existence without with in absent you know he did not spring out of existence (laughs) yeah like he did not spontaneously generate as like a grown man who failed in his career as a scientist well, bought out of the careers as a scientist, fucked up and like sold his shares of a company that was good, that like later exploded 
and then like became a high school teacher and is like miserable about it. Like he did not come out of a non-existent culture. He was born into America, mm-hmm. you know, especially specifically New Mexico, which is a deliberate choice for a setting. Yeah. Um, but he yeah. was not born into a very waspy state in a very waspy neighborhood in a very waspy suburbs to be like and then like did all this shit out of nowhere. He was raised a wasp. That is Walter White. Walter White. You know, he is the whitest guy. And like the show is about this guy. <laughs> right. Who has who has and conservative I, dad values. Who and if, just, I, oh. <laughs> if I can retch the conversation back to Danganronpa, like. Which Danganronpa would make the most mad? <laughs> uh, that would be the that Munakata. would be Seiko. That would be Seiko. Oh yeah, Seiko. Like yeah, we've established Seiko would make like Miko, Seiko would. We need okay. So if you are an artist and you're listening to Ultra Despair Reprise, I need you to post it. I need you to quickly just sketch up like a little doodle, whatever, of Seiko and Walter White making like super meth, making yeah. meth too. <laughs> the sequel to meth to colon the sequel the squeakle. Meth to taking it to the streets. Well, yeah. taking it back from the streets and then taking it back out into the streets. Well, like, um, you, but you mentioned like how it. you mentioned how like you know you have like how upbringings are causing like a lot of these problems for Walter. It's like you think about like Munakata. It's like he didn't necessarily need like the big tragedy to be the way he is. Like you can just kind of tell that this was just always kind of in him. To a certain yeah, degree. He was, he's a uh, he's a shitty student council president guy. He's a guy who like I was, I am not a ja- I was never a Japanese high schooler, but I'm reasonably sure if you take a 16 year old and you go, you're on the student council, you're in charge of all the kids. Here's your power. That kid, if left unsupervised, if he doesn't get his ego checked, is going to be a dickhead. And he, and Murakata has never had his ego checked. Like the only person who like there are two people who would probably be the only ones willing to ego check like Munakata, and that's like Sakakura and Chisa. And both of them just support him. Like, well, I mean, it's not a bad thing that they support him, but at the same time, they're not necessarily going to be the people that will give him a reality check. Like, or like, because they're his friends, which is obviously a good thing for him to have. But like, at a certain point, he didn't have to run into the reality of what's been going on until the tragedy happened. And he's just trying to like, be like okay i'm just gonna violence myself out of this situation i love to violence myself out of situations it's so good it's so great you get to speed up a bunch of violence i'm fine go ahead okay speaking of violence how about that fight between asahina and oh my god sakakura you literally just said it sakakura i so like rocks i loved i I love that. As as the resident fighter, um, I like I it, I love how like it. You can tell that Asahina was ng coded into not using his fists because like just from the fight, like a like he should just be using his hands. Like you, oh yeah, you'd expe- like he is the ultimate boxer. He's not the ultimate like swordsman or whatever. Like he's oh, gonna yeah. punch you. So and Asahina, but also. Asahita figures that out also instantly. Everyone's kind of figured uh, this out at that yeah, point. Yeah, I think yeah. it's kind of an open secret, but I like how committed they are to, like, demonstrating that. Because because they specifically put him in a, in a situation where, like, he wants... Where, like, as a boxer, he's going to want to, like, ground... Like, 
His advantage would be if he grounded and pounded Asahina, like just tackle her and punch her in the face. But he can't do that because he can't fight on arms. So he has to use this big unwieldy pipe up against somebody who is both shorter and lighter than him and who has a longer pipe that has a fork in it. So she has better reach and can, you know, and can potentially cause more harm. I love that. I love, but I love my favorite part is, you know, as dire of the situation is, as dire as this game is, Asahina sees like a man with a lead pipe. It goes, ah, yeah, I get to fight this dude now. <laughs> she just squares Asahina up. Asahina is the ultimate fighter. She is so ready. I mean, she hung out with like I put mean, Asahina soccer. in Fortnite. This, this episode just has a lot of good people figuring out what the other person's uh, kill command is through context clues. Like, she immediately picks up, like, oh, what's the ultimate boxer doing fighting me with a lead pipe? That's kind of interesting, huh? And at, while that's happening, Ruruka um, notices uh, Seiko trying to, like, avoid the shadow um avoid anyone stepping on her shadow and she's like oh okay i'm just gonna keep i'm gonna keep testing this and she's gonna keep jumping away <laughs> I, I love that asahina is still on her no damage run um she she took a little bit of chip damage it doesn't quite count it wasn't a full hit um yeah um asahina but- is going to zip right to the end and unload the stage and everybody is going to fall through it and she is going to win the game she's got to find like the the piece of geometry that's kind of fucked up it just clip right through it she's going to set her fps to like what i think and no she's gonna set her no she's gonna do the elden ring she's gonna set her fps to 30 she's gonna step forward while guarding and she's gonna time the frame just right that the physics fuck up she skips right past malekith and he falls through all of uh faramazula that's a long fucking fall malekith had a horrible time yeah. every elden ring speed run you drop that dog to straight to hell <laughs> yeah um but so this episode, kind of like the episode, like like after this, is still setting up some things. Again, kind of like the key moment of this episode tends to is that um, Tengen like reveals something to Munakata that shatters him in some way. But the audience is not privy to this, and so that sets up the next thing. And also, we're getting another like we see them fall asleep. It's been a while since we saw that, and then. And it unfortunately ends with, like, um, Seiko dying. And I don't know, like, I'm not saying, like, oh, I'm going to sit here and I'm crying all the time. But it's still sad because, like... Oh, yeah. The way it ends with, like, right before the timer goes off, she's taking the one suite that uh, Ruruka gave her when... When they were like, children. Yeah, yeah, when they were children and is just holding it up as she loses consciousness and then ends up getting stabbed by when the time goes off. Yeah, because it's, like... It's one of those things where, like we were talking about earlier, how, like, Seiko cares for Ruika. She always did. She just couldn't find a way to express that. And that's the tragedy, is, like, as she's sitting there alone, covered in sweat, covered in grime, and having done something that she just doesn't, like, she didn't want to become this violent, like, force and was just like i just wish i could have said something and that's the tragedy of it and she's gone from the narrative it's evocative it's very um danganronpa is a very corny series like it which i don't think is a bad thing i think it uses it's like 
pulpy silliness to be it leverages that really well and i think uh-huh. the show has actually been very good at leveraging it i i i'm gonna psycho is really good she she was a really fun character and it is it's a shame that she died but she her the way her arc wrapped up was really solid i is very very evocative right and then you just like at that point you know as the audience you just kind of have to sit with those like unanswered feelings because she won't be able to tell Ruka how much she cared yeah. how much she loved her and that's like that's like that's just tragic storytelling. It is well written tragedy. It is a decent. It's a pretty well written tragedy. Yeah, for a series that we have noted multiple times on this podcast, doesn't seem to like can't seem to Daniel nail. Dan fumbles the bag so regularly that like seeing this and being and feeling like an actual pang of sadness is like oh holy shit. <laughs> yeah, right. It's it's like it's is the so opposite un- of Nekomaru. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, let's. Well, no, she can. She still has time to like come back as a robot and like ask where the toilet is. So like, and then then it's like, oh, she pulls out her mask and soda comes out of her mouth. <laughs> God, he would, wouldn't he? Uh... So the B side episode is uh, for the despair arc, um, beginning of the end. Jump goes back. <laughs> Junko's back, baby. She is Danganronpa just... is good again. This has been so. It has been such a pleasure. I I fucking love Junko in this show. I think it all. Has... Here's the thing that is so special about this show and the appearance of Junko Inoshima in this program. Every other time, like think about Junko appearing in Danganronpa One and Danganronpa Two. Danganronpa 1, we spend a chapter with her half-sister pretending to be Junko, so that's not really her. And then we see her as, like, super sicko mode, like, ultimate villain, right? At the end of Danganronpa 1. In Danganronpa 2, she's whispered about, and she comes back as an AI, which, again, still in that super hyper, like, absurd mode. And I'm glad that we get to see her just being, like, she's still you know over the top like she just bombs her uber you know just like leaves a person bombs the (laughs) the back and forth between um corpse warblade and the junkers (laughs) was so fucking like it's so funny corpse warblade just wants to suck her toes so fucking bad (laughs) it's so (laughs) she's she's down i love that but i love that you know they're like just casually chatting basically oh how was the flight or whatever how have you been because they haven't seen each other in the while and Junko is taking this ice pick that they have in the limousine that is cooling Ramune like she's just trying to stab I love that it's cooling cr- Ramune and not like champagne because they're not they're not old enough to drink <laughs> yep they're not old enough Junko Chan will kill people but she will not break the she will not be seen sipping alcohol Right. She does not drink the alcoholic like, beverage Oz. Is that is she like actually secretly straight edge? Is that like her whole thing? Is that <laughs> that's, like... yeah, that's her weakness. That's her that's her NG code is if if she has a single sip of alcohol, she dies. Yeah. But it's she's like, been she's been running like that. That's this... why Junko is so fucked up. Junko would just be like a normal she'd just be like a if normal she just smoked, if like she was allowed she... to have one beer. Have one beer or smoke one joint. <laughs> like she... if you give Junko light beer and mids, she'd be she'd turn out normal. 
Yeah, she even drops a life grenade in the limousine. <laughs> and I just love how casual she spent she spent that money on a grenade, not light beer and mids. Yep. But I love how casually Mukuro just like kicks up the like grenade with her foot, puts it in the champagne glass, casually rolls down the window and pops the grenade behind her. Like I just it's one of those things that, like, by it not being a visual novel, you can have these just incredible sight gags where Mukuro, not just because she's the ultimate soldier and she can just deal with this, but because Junko knows this, she, like, her form of playing with Mukuro is trying to kill her over and over. And, like, Mukuro, Mukuro just casually bats this away because I imagine Junko's not, like... I mean, I don't know if, if Junko. So the thing is that like Junko's pretty good. Mukuro is the fucking best at this, though. Right. She is. Um, she is doing. She's doing violence against like the violence doer. Exactly. But I love the like uh, bits where Junko, after her introduction, looks right at the camera and says, "Ah, yes, the show is good now. I am here." <laughs> um, yeah. Since Monokuma is a character that constantly breaks the fourth wall, and Monokuma is Junko, like, it's very naturally just, like, Junko has the permission to break the fourth wall all the time. But also, it's framed as, like, as she's sitting on her luggage waiting for Mukuro to come out of the, like, terminal, as she is narrating to herself her grand plan and shit. Like, I love the way how, like, the animator's, like, um, letterbox, the, like, screen... To, like, show that, like, and the voice actress for um, Junko in Japanese is so funny that the way she, like, announces, like, this grand story makes her sound like a, I don't know, like a narrator at, like, a at like a play, right? At this, like, prestigious thing of just this slightly older woman voice. It's like, oh, and now as Mukuro exits the terminal, the ultimate despair sisters are back to enact their horrible plan. And Yeah, just... the elevated language is great. She's yeah. really, like, there and... is... It, the showmanship in Danganronpa works so much better when it's in motion. And then Mukuro just, like, looks up at her and says, Junko, what are you doing? <laughs> And she just goes, oh, I'm narrating everything. It's fine. Yeah. And, and then, then she gets bored of it. Well, she basically, she brings it out a second time when, like, um, Makoto is entering Hope's Peak, basically recreating the CG where he's walking in. And she basically starts narrating that situation and then um, says, okay, I'm done with that now. <laughs> she is the ultimate, like, like, Juko going, bored now, moving on. Like, it's so funny. Um, God. But yeah, like, this is, like, post, you know, there's a six-month time skip that is um, brought up because Chisa had to work at the Reserve Corps for six months. And I, again, great visual gag of Chisa kind of explaining like oh it was awful it was terrible in the reserve course and this elevated language as the like film reel is going through the seasons and then she just walks out we saw none of it because it didn't matter <laughs> like narratively rocks. narratively it actually doesn't matter i don't need to see an episode of chisa like trying to relate to a bunch of reserve corps kids or whatever it's like it's fine. It's like, it's one of those things where the accelerated pace of the thing works. <laughs> I mean, the accelerated yeah. pace works in a lot of different ways, but here in specific, I enjoy. I, I feel like I would have enjoyed a little peek in 
of like chisa having a bad time with the kids but also like i guess you know i feel like i would have kind of enjoyed it but i feel like the 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 damage to the pacing wouldn't be worth the potential joy of seeing more chisa yeah like at a certain point it's like again while this is like a 26 episode like show collectively with future side and despair side you got 12 you got 13 episodes basically aside you gotta know where to like you know pick this shit up um that said i wouldn't mind like like an omake chapter of like a manga would be able to cover this you know like something explicitly like on the sides to like not kill the pacing of it excuse me to not to kill the pacing of it but still um but the more critical part is, you know, she learns more about the Kamakura project, which, you know, she was unaware of at the time, um, like six months before. Um, but honestly, like, I just loved it when she got back to the classroom and all the kids are like, just happy to see her again. Like, that's just nice. <laughs> yeah. And you get various bits. You basically get arcs from Rapa 2, uh, it goes through a speed run of sorts uh, by just when she returns, they're like that already. Like you have, um, you have the ultimate princess and the ultimate breeder just like in Gundam full... and Sonya. Yeah, you have Jennifer. You have Gundam and Sonya in my favorite <laughs> ship in the series. Yeah, you have them in total sync together, like casting a spell over the classroom and stuff. And <laughs> you, you I, got the little... I like that they gave I. I... You know, I have mixed opinions on uh, Hiyoko's uh, post-time skip design, but that was the thing I was really excited to see, is that she got big. It was so funny. She, like, I would, I think it would be really funny if she also got nice. But, like... <laughs> I like that she's still mean. Like, like that's still, like, like when Chisa just goes, ah, yes, she's still the same. <laughs> After she has the Super Mario power-up sound, <laughs> looking at, like, it's past looking at past version of Yoko and then looking up and meeting her eye to eye. Yeah. I also love that, like, because I've just, like, you know, I've watched, you know, tons of Gintama and I just love Tomikaze Sugita as a voice actor. When they have the group scene where all the characters are laughing, I can just pick up on his particular register of laugh because he's doing the, like, over-the-top chuny laugh. <laughs> it's like, very entertaining for me as a Gundam like fan. Yeah. Meanwhile, we basically have more of an introduction for Ryota, like show that he was constantly bullied and his parents were fighting all the time while he found refuge in anime and uh is essentially working himself to death all the time. And uh Well yeah, the ultimate animator. So like <laughs> That's that's part like as much as I'm like like this show, the idea of like a of like directing an anime about a guy who's killing himself basically over trying to make the ultimate anime. It's like I don't know. It's so, so slightly heavy handed. <laughs> I don't know how to feel God. about it yet. So this is tangentially related, but I recently read a manga. That was cancelled, unfortunately. Uh, called Time Paradox Ghost Rider. Okay. Where the conceit is, it is about 
a guy he it is a guy it's about an extremely failing um writer for like manga mangaka jump mm-hmm. uh, who gets a future edition of shonen jump um through a rather convoluted method that he like he unintentionally like gets this copy of jump from 10 years in the future and he fucking plagiarizes it because he thinks he got it in a dream and it was actually real and now he has to run the series um and he keeps getting like future issues of jump uh but he plagiarized it from like another person uh and it is um about and a lot of the, the manga itself was about like um you know the the mangaka of the i guess like spoilers for this we're doing a lot of spoilers spoilers for that for this like 14 chapter long manga of like but like the idea was that the um the character, the other character, the the deuteragonist of this manga, was killing herself writing this manga in the future, um, and so I, and I think the I, I think it's a cool like thematic thing to have a to to like work it into the actual fiction because but like also I feel like there's no way you can really justify the crunch like that because like you. You can't do it's hard to do commentary on a thing that you are also kind of guilty of. Right. I I guess for me it's like it just, you know, I did like a really bad digression there. It's no, it's fine because like it it helps me crystallize my thoughts a little bit. It it reminds me a little bit of like like I occasionally listen to just King things and how Stephen King has this habit of writing about like oh as a as a big successful writer I'm too sexy and cool and like everything I do is too awesome and I can't handle the weight of that sort of thing like somehow like with Ryota it feels like this sort of like just a little too. You know the, the 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 anime director talking about how hard it is to be an anime director, <laughs> how hard it is to have a vision. Yeah, but Jen, you seem to have a counterpoint. I'm listening. I, I think the point of the I think the point of Ryota is to basically just show how basically someone with basically he's had a lot of really hard shit in his life so that he's unhealthily poured himself into this uh passion like you constantly yeah. have the ultimate imposter coming up to him being like look you you're trying to make the anime that will change the world but that's not gonna happen because you're just gonna fucking kill yourself like this you you gotta eat you gotta sleep you gotta take care of yourself never been good at sports or people skills for that matter my only solace as a kid was drawing you know it's good to have goals but it's a waste if you fall over dead seriously man pace yourself animation gave me something to live for yeah I gathered that when I'm done my suffering We'll give other lost souls their solace. Mitarai! I wanna save the world with my art. Hmm. Unless I do something quick, I don't think he's gonna make it. 
That's the thing that yeah, helps like, the arc. That's or sorry, that's the thing that helps out is having the imposter there. See, I I like that, but I also like that like having the imposter there is actually like extremely toxic because it's not just that you have to eat and sleep and then just go right back to work. It's that you need to do shit other than work on your anime. Like terrible decision making not dragging this guy to class he needs to go he needs right. to not do this you're not gonna like 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 okay cool you're really talented at, at like drawing anime you are going to kill yourself if you keep up like this and like that that isn't just like a you need to eat and sleep thing that's a you need to do things that aren't like la- slaving away in the lab which i like i i do like that this is like that this that like fundamentally like the the it's he's like they're neither of these characters is unsympathetic like right they both they're both like they're cast very like with a lot of sympathy towards them like they they are cast as I, like figures that are tr- they're trying to do something noble but are misguided mm-hmm. i mean because again, they're kids yeah that's i was i was about to bring up was the fact that like these are still high school students at the end of the day, like as good intention the imposter is, like to which I think they've done a really good job of giving the imposter character, which is something that would be really hard to do considering most of his characterization in two was a combination of Akira Ishida, you know, voicing Byakia again in fat jokes. Like, yeah, like this is yeah. a much better execution of like, the imposter than anything else. Yeah, like the thing that I, that I think that I that I really like is that even though they're both misguided and they're both trying to figure this shit out, I love that the imposter goes to Ryota and basically re- recognizes this as a possible like transaction. It's like, okay, you get to work on your anime, I get a new identity, we both benefit. But then at a certain point, re- like the imposter realizes, no, wait a second, actually, I like want to support this person and that's why he's willing to like give he basically gives up the game to um uh what's her name the nurse um god why am i blanking on the mikan. nurse mikan yeah like he basically gives up the game to mikan because he is genuinely worried about ryota's health and is like okay no i need to find the person that will fix this problem and has no problem like with this deception that they've doing for months he drops it so that he can help him. And again, for a character that is basically principally, you know, a fat joke or whatever, I do at least appreciate the characterization of like the imposter having so many faces and names and identities and nationalities. It's like, yeah, food is like the one constant in my life. Like I can, like, again, not great. You're trying to salvage some pretty, like not super good material. But I appreciate that the effort has been made. I wish I yeah. feel like it would have been a little bit better if the line wasn't written like the only thing you can trust in this world is calories. So, like, unfortunately, I think that's re- that's a really funny line. It is a pretty funny but, line. Fats like, and sugars are the only thing you can count on. As he's like, I, I do love when cool it's just like, yeah, voice. you can only count. Yeah, like, I, I do love when a cool guy's like, the only thing you can, the only thing in this world that matters is delicious candy. <laughs> or, or like, what was that one villain in Yu Yu Hakusho that, like, had very specific, like, he doesn't want, he wants no pulp orange juice or something? It's that sort oh, of Oh, yeah. Like, like yeah, it's big... like I love when when a character is like takes their shit really seriously, but their shit is like ice cream flavors. 
Like, <laughs> right. Like, I thought I said no anchovies on my pizza. This For is that, guy, you must die. This is a guy, like a world-class assassin, who only, he's like, I must have my Neapolitan ice cream before I pull the trigger. <laughs> I can't kill without my non-pizza-left beef. <laughs> Shout-outs to non-pizza-left beef. <laughs> non-pizza-left beef is like 13 years old now. None pizza left beef is old enough to make none pizza left beef. <laughs> yeah, old enough to make that order because I think you have to. Well, wait a minute. I think you have to be over. No, old enough. To, I mean, I mean, like old enough to make that order as a joke, cognizant <laughs> that is a joke, and put it as a banger post. You know, <laughs> God. Anyway, like again, the the characterization of Ryota, like you're right about the sympathy about how. Ryota is like, no, I gotta fix everything. If I can just, like, do this one project and pour my everything yeah. into it, I can fix the world. That is not only just, like, a thought a kid has. I, anybody who's in any creative, like, like hobby has that thought at some point or gets really a little too invested in what they're doing and forgets. Yeah. Like maybe not like, Oh, this is going to fix the world. Maybe like this is, I'm doing something important. This needs to get out there. You know, that feeling of like, I am an artist. I do, you know, I, cause if I don't do this, if I don't make like, you if know, not me, my, if I don't, if not me, then who, like, if I don't tell my story, then who will? And it's like, listen, you should still tell your story, but your story is not imp- is not like that important. Like your story is not important enough to die for, dude. Like, yeah, like take a break. <laughs> yeah, take breaks, drink water, go outside, do your stretches, do some exercise, converse with people. Like, it's you know, like jack it's off. Like, <laughs> it's the classic. Is the classic? Uh, what what game designer at one point? Like, I'm sure it's like Shigeru Miyamoto saying, "It's like no, go out into a garden and just like." Do shit other than play video games to like, like that. That that is also a thing that like when you are designing a tabletop role playing game, um, which I'm currently doing. Um, when when you do that, like there there have been like I oh, fuck I forgot who was giving the TED talk, but he was like, please for the love of God, don't just design your tabletop game based around other tabletop games. Uh-huh. Having all like go outside, read a book watch a movie, play a video game, do a sport, and think, how do I evoke these feelings in text with dice? Well, I think about, there's that, like, great, like, there was a tweet by um, Chris Franklin in which he was talking about, like, George Lucas and Spielberg, like, grew up on these serials in westerns and samurai movies or whatever and ended up making Star Wars and Indiana Jones. Now, the only thing, like, these, like, directors make is more star wars like, yeah like people grew like is again it's the god we're getting right back to fortnite aren't we yeah literally this is the end game of culture the the nutrient paste of culture is that like every you know you had all these works that were coming from like a background in a variety of things and that are that are getting like turned into just like this flavorless colorless mush of a like of a mixed media landscape because like everybody who is making movies now grew up on like 
the big movies of the 80s, which grew up on, like, actual classic cinema, but, like, Mark, like, and all that you can, all the only th- thread that binds everything together now is, like, Funko capitalism. <laughs> Which is the same thing. But, like, yeah, it's just like, it's just like, oh, yeah, you know, this is, this is going, this is what was like, this is evocative of, like, what I enjoyed, of what went into it. And it's like, this is generic isekai, you know, number 4,000. Like, we get that you enjoyed Sword Art Online. <laughs> Well, it's like it's like it's it's like somebody being like, "Oh, I really liked Back to the Future. I'm gonna remake Back to the Future." It's like, no, Back to the Future is based on like old time travel stories. And yeah, like that's that's where the that's what made it like novel and good is that it was based off of like is that like its influences were things that actually came before it, like things like it it, it drew its influences from like a wide pool, and because that pool's narrowed, people are making shit like fucking ready player one <laughs> like I ready think... player one for all its references is just also just bad as a text it is jen you have something you wanted to say i think what kyrie and jackie are trying to get at it here is that if ryota ever finishes this anime it's gonna fucking suck like he might be the ultimate animator but his it's just gonna be it's he... gonna be his riff on the dog of flanders well basically <laughs> it's gonna be that and also just like all the people who all the critics will just be like, "Oh, this is like Miyazaki mixed with all this," and it's, it's just, a, it's just, yeah, we've just seen cryptids. Spirited Away, yeah, basically, <laughs> they're, gonna, they're gonna get it and be like, "Yeah, we've seen Spirited Away, yeah, I know what Gundam is, yeah, like none of this is new, and right. none of this is novel, and also you like your art was so, and also like you know if your arts if you are burning yourself out like." You also just get worse at art. Like, uh-huh. you just... Yep. Because, like, like, it's not even a cutting quarters thing. It's a your perception dulls because your needs aren't being met. I mean, if I could take, a like, a slightly personal turn, like, one of the things I've been working on Scanline is that tabletop game, Embers of War, right? And we took, basically, inadvertently, like, a month and a half, two-month break, basically, because I was so, like, I was fairly stressed out, and I hadn't, like, figured out, like, portions of the next part of the campaign and by just like by just asking for a break i was able to like kind of figure out like okay where can i push this towards work like like i I, by the time this like comes out like another episode should be out soon i'm really happy about it but it's like i'm only able to get to this point as a creator that i'm happy with something by giving myself some damn time to think about something other than the thing I'm working on. <laughs> so if you're a creative out there, if you're listening, if there's any influence that the three of us have on this world, please take a damn break. Take your lunch break. Take the whole hour, Jan. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I'm calling out Jan. If your name is Jan, I'm, I'm sorry. That's like an old If your person. name is Jan, <laughs> we're fucking on to you. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, like... If, if you think, like, oh, if I just work through lunch or whatever, it's like, no, don't. Take your breaks in life, during your workday, whatever, because you need to give your brain time to not think about the thing that you're passionate about, even if it's something you're passionate about, especially if it's something you're passionate about. Also, like, draw, like, draw references maybe from things that, like, aren't in your immediate purview. 
I want to say. Like, go out and maybe look at something that, like, you're, like, like if you're, like, work on something, like, whatever you're working on, like, go out and look at, like, things that maybe, you know, are not entirely related to the thing because you will find a way to relate it to the thing and you will get a different perspective on what you are working on. Like, everything, like, experience is cumulative. You know, it is, all these things add up. You know, you, you can be, you know, you could be like reading about Taoism and like that has nothing to do with tabletop role playing games until it fucking does. Yeah. And you you're could like, be, wow. You could be writing your fucking space opera and you decide to take like, you know, a vacation to go to the beach. Right. And then it's like, you think that wouldn't like matter in this story of like big grand space operas. And then like, oh, wait a minute, this experience I have, I can more holistically put it into my work. And not just for the sake of making a better thing so you can sell it better, but just so you can make a better thing. I don't know how yeah. we got on this road, but, like... <laughs> Even space operas need a beach episode. Yes, that's what... Yes, yeah. that, they need the episode of Outlaw Star where they go to the planet of Onsets, which is so fucking funny conceptually. <laughs> we love the planet of Onsets. The planet of Onsets that is plot critical to understanding the final arc of Outlaw Star. I love it. Well, not super plot critical, but he gets like an item that lets him like to do the thing. It's, <laughs> but yeah, take a damn break. Yeah, take a damn break. Practice non-action. Work without doing. Taste the tasteless. Magnify the small. Increase the few. And reward bitterness with care. See simplicity in the complicated and achieve greatness in little things. Word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that for? Is that for a book of Taoism? Or... Yeah, that's that's Taoism. That's uh, that's the from the Tao Te Ching. Send me, send me a link to that. I should read that. It's good. It's I I I like that. I uh, Taoism is good. It's it is a it is the religion of just like well it's it's it is ideologically it is just like getting your shit together and being like okay, you know. That sounds all right. I will put a. I'm link. gonna accept things as they are, and. <laughs> you know it's except it's the classic oh except the things i have like like give me give me the grace to like change the things i can yeah. and or no or it's like what was it like give me it's it's it, the, the 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 like the christian take on it is uh you know i think it's lord give me the strength to change w- it's basically take take like change the, the things i can grace to accept what i cannot and the or in the, and the like, wisdom grace... to know the difference. Yeah, there it is. I think it's also a thing in like AA and and NA. Oh yeah, that's that is big time. Yeah, I think big that time that is in AA yeah, and yeah. other things. Literally, like Taoism is just like, I mean, it encompasses a lot of things, but part of what it part of like part of that is like, what if that like little truism was just expanded into into a whole what if you like did a deep delve on the ideological roots of just like figuring out what is what is workable and what isn't in life and working from there it's it's good it's um i have not finished the tao te ching um i have been very busy uh which is fine which is fine it's important yeah i am still i'm still going through it but um lao tzu kind of had his shit he kind of kind of knew his shit new shit now, man, people... <laughs> man kind of had it together. 
if the if the people what out there wanted to consume the uh <laughs> nihilistic cultural slurry that is our own output no wait no that's way too mean about it's, what we- <laughs> i think well. i think the engagement with um like i would say like the, the taoist engagement with media is just like yes there's the nihilistic cultural slurry and if you don't like it you know if you if there's nothing in there that you like don't engage you got other stuff you can do but if you, if do, you do like, but if what you do, we do, but if there is stuff that you do like, engage with that, and then if there's stuff that, and then ignore the stuff that you don't, or accept the stuff that you don't. It's kind of I, I don't want to say I don't want to say my ideology with fighting games is partic- is is the Tao of fighting games, but it, I do feel like when I'm reading, I kind of do when I'm when I was reading the Tao Te Ching, I was thinking to myself like, oh, this is all like how I approach fighting games, where it's like, okay, do I lab and get and get good at a character? No. But because I didn't lab, I don't have the right to complain when I lose. I just have to accept that I have lost because I didn't lab and strive to understand the character in actual play, which may lead to me getting stomped in situations that are a little frustrating. But I can't. But like, but you, I, I accept that have... frustration and let it pass through me. Exactly. And just like you just engage with the things that you want to engage with and just approach it at your own pace. You know what's fucked up? what didn't they like announce bridget and then announce that she's transgender in like the space between this episode and the last of despair cast that we did i think they did i'm reasonably sure we just like we dodged a bullet now that the bridget controversy is like completely over and all that's left of it is like that video of the skin of her as a basketball player, <laughs> just fucking balling out. She can't possibly be we really this got balling. She can't possibly. She will never be balling. Spit now, I think that's it. Uh, does it it is so good that that's the that that is the cultural remnant of that is the last remnant of the Bridget culture war, culture <laughs> skirmish, more like. Yeah, we, she is. She will be balling. <laughs> she will be balling now. She will be balling twenty four seven. If you want to support our vo- God, I'm just desperately trying to. We're just trying to wrap up here. Yeah, we're trying. They should add Bridget. They should add Bridget to uh, Fortnite. No, they should. Yeah, they probably. They should. Jen, where can people see... find you on the internet? <laughs> I need to see her kill Darth Vader with a yo-yo with a kamehameha. That'd be sick. With a mama. <laughs> You can find me on Twitter at JBU3. Uh, most of my stuff is on scanlinemedia.com or patreon.com slash scanlinemedia. When you're listening to this, uh, we'll have a novel not new episode on Tsukihime out. And then after that, we'll be doing Raging Loop. Yeah, yeah. And Tsukihime, that's, that was... God, what a, what a fucking cool game. Oh, that's the that's the game that NekoArk is from. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Um, that's the sp- Neko art game Burinya Burinya Jackie where can people find you and your dirty, work dirty, on the dirty, dirty. <laughs> um, if you go into your local grocery store and you go <laughs> scan the QR code and scan the QR code on the third carton of eggs in the eggs aisle um, and if your grocery store does not have an eggs aisle, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, but yeah, you'll <laughs> yeah, find me in exile. Build one. <laughs> build uh, yeah, one. build one. Build one. Uh, but you will find me in exile. Uh, but it may be easier to find me on twittercom slash Um or twitch.tv slash your lizard friend. Um, 
or uh, in the walls of your house, uh, which I live. Uh, uh, you. Uh... I just resealed them. God damn it. Okay. Then I got. <sighs> well, not your walls, Kiri. Everybody else's. Oh, thank God. Well, you were in my walls last time, and it was. Like, I it was, was in your walls last time, and then you tried to kill me, and that <laughs> that didn't work out. So now you have other walls. Yeah. To... Now I live in your neighbor's walls, so like. Okay. Well, they... I could still hop over if you want. Okay. Well, we could play some Fortnite together. I don't. You can find me on the internet at Kyria A Page on Twitter dot com. Uh, you find me on scanlinemedia.com, of course. That's where I do all my stuff and hey because of you know our patrons and also the cool people that follow this podcast and everything i do i'll be at anime usa uh by the time this episode comes up it'll be be like between this episode going up and episode after that i will have gone to and hopefully survived anime usa that's in uh crystal city uh so if you are at anime usa i don't know find me or I'll find you. <laughs> and we will Done. ball and she will ball <laughs> and all over you. Yeah, I'll get the basketball out and we'll just we'll just do crossovers. She will she will cr- she will break your ankles big time. Big you, she will she she is a menace. Kiri is a menace on the court. <laughs> yep. Me. She, a yeah. five foot five foot nine white woman. <laughs> Balling on the yeah, court. Well, well, I mean, listen. I don't <laughs> think there's a basketball court at Anime X. There's no way they're going to test it. <laughs> yeah, it's like someone someone will have the basketball. I'll be like, yeah, I'll beat you if right you come, there. Yeah, if you come to if you come to the if you come to the go to go to Crystal you, City, yeah, and you are and you are cosplaying LeBron James, uh, kill you will kill Kiri. She she has yeah. to run away from you. You're she, like she you're like. Just, well, you're like LeBron she will James. She'll be fucking imperiled. Yeah, you're like Jiren, you know, at that point, you know? <laughs> LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> Jiren in a basketball jersey. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but I, I can't think of Jiren without also thinking of Broly Kulo for some reason. I if you um, if you approach Kiri and you are and you are cosplaying Broly Kulo, <laughs> when you drop that ass down and pick gotta, it back up, it is so hot in this office. We need to get out of here. Um, I all right. How do I end this show? Oh, right. I've been Kyrie. I'm Jennifer. Yeah, I. They've been Kyrie Jennifer. I'm Jackie. Um, remember to tip your waitress. And marinate your walls. Mar- yeah, like, wait, what? <laughs> Did I marinate your walls? Class dismissed. Chances, but the world won't give.
the answers. Only reward the one who advances.